This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. How do we look at how water is shared in the Jordan Valley, i.e. between the Palestinians, the Israelis and the Jordanians, and South Africa in Sadek, between, for example, South Africa and Lesotho, or, or perhaps South Africa, Botswana, uh, and others, and how do we figure out how we can share water and learn from one another? And to help us with this discussion, we have one of the participants, and in fact one of the organizers of the seminar, Clive Lipchin, who is a water expert at the Aruba Center, and uh, he joins us now on the line. Clive, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to Chai FM. Thanks, Benji. Great to be here. Really, really great to have you on. We have had you before, but not on the issue of transboundary water so much. Uh, can, can you tell us, uh, just for a start, for people who don't know, uh, where did this discussion, particularly with the University of the Free State, come from? Why are you doing a seminar with them? So, um, yeah, I was uh, in South Africa um, in February, and uh, I was um, uh, visiting South Africa to basically meet with um, a number of uh, organizations uh, throughout the country. Uh, they deal with water issues in South Africa and in Southern Africa. Um, and one of these organizations is the University of uh, the Free State that has uh, actually a, a center for water research, um, given the fact that the Free State is one of the most uh, water-scarce regions in, 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 in South Africa. Um, there is a lot of expertise there um, on how to think about managing uh, water. And so uh, I was lucky enough to be hosted at the Free State uh, for a few days um, and got to meet some of the faculty um, at, the, at the university, um, and, and one person that I got to meet was Professor Hussein Solomon, who is actually from the political science department. Um, now, you could say, well, what has political science got to do with water? And that actually is exactly um, where this issue of transboundary water is actually so important, because transboundary water management um, is not really so much about hydrology and engineering uh, it's really a one about politics, uh, especially when water crosses political borders. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, uh, requires countries to share water. So uh, Hussein and I uh, had a very interesting discussion on this topic. Um, mm. We actually um, then actually uh, established a memorandum of understanding between the Arabi Institute in Israel and the University of the Free State to uh, promote uh, joint projects of shared interest. One of these being water, and one of the first activities of our uh, signed uh, MOU is this webinar that will take place uh, on Thursday at 5 o'clock uh, South African time, where we want to basically have this discussion on how water is managed um, in the Middle East as a transboundary resource, and similarly how this issue is dealt with here in South Africa um, in the Southern African context. Um, the bottom line is, is pretty much all water resources across the globe are transboundary in one way or, the, one way or another. So the management of water uh, is inherently a, a political issue uh, as much as it's one about, you know, um, uh, the environment or uh, or ecology or, 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 or providing water for people or agriculture or something like that. Now, let's talk a little bit about the issue in the in the in the Jordan Valley, because that's kind of. Uh, what what the Arabah Center is going to be focusing on in this seminar? They have uh, you have a Palestinian, a Jordanian, and uh, yourself kind of representing the Israelis, uh, all discussing in the management essentially of the water resources 
flowing out of the Kinneret and in and along the Jordanian River, excuse me, the Jordan River, um, and and through various areas. So, so talk to us about what are some of the challenges that you're facing when it comes to a um, when it comes to managing the water across that part of the region. Well, let me let me maybe just first give a, a background for the listeners who may not be uh, that aware of, of the region. So we're talking about the Jordan River Basin, um, which is the only significant source of surface water in the region. And uh, the headwaters of the Jordan River Basin actually originate in Syria and Lebanon. Uh, and those waters then flow into Israel and collect uh, into the Jordan River, which then flows into the Canaret, the Sea of Galilee, the waters will flow from the Kinneret via the Jordan River uh, all the way down to the uh, to the Dead Sea. So in essence, um, we have a number of countries that all have some percentage of their territory within the basin, within the Jordan River Basin. And we're talking here about Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Israel, and the Palestinian Authority, uh, the, the area of, of, of the West Bank. Now, uh, from an international legal perspective, any country that has any percentage of its territory within a defined watershed has a legal claim to water in that watershed. Um, in legal terms, this is what we call water rights. So all of the countries in the Jordan River Basin have a right to access water from the system. What makes this issue complicated is how much water does each country have a right to use? How do you calculate that? And is that water actually available under conditions of water scarcity? Um, so it's a very complicated political uh, 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 issue. Um, what makes this um, even more problematic or challenging uh, in the case of the Jordan River system is, of course, Israel does not have political relations between Syria and Lebanon. Uh, there is no sovereign state of Palestine. There's a Palestinian authority but from an international legal perspective, it's not a sovereign state, um, which puts its position on how much right to water it can um, lay a claim to uh, as an interesting legal question. And then, of course, we have the, the kingdom of, of Jordan and the state of, of Israel. So managing this water uh, across these different countries with very complicated political dynamics uh, is very, very uh, difficult. That being said, there are agreements uh, uh, primarily between Israel and Jordan, uh, dealing with allocations of water from the Jordan River system, which was um, agreed upon in the Israel-Jordan Treaty that was signed way back in 1994, where actually Israel and Jordan move water from one side of the other. Uh, water goes from the Israeli side to the Jordanian side, and also water moves from Jordan to, to Israel. So there's a water-sharing agreement specifically with water in the Kinneret, uh, uh, in, in the upper region, in the, in the lake, uh, in the Sea of Galilee. We're with talking to, the- to Clive Lipchin today. He is from the Araba Environmental Center, uh, and he's just about to get into some technical detail, uh, well, not technical, but, but just uh, more detail on water-sharing agreements between uh, Israel and its neighbors, which is the subject of a seminar uh, that uh, he is part of coming up uh, this week. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be talking again to him and finding out a little bit more. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. Talking to Clive Lipton today from the Arava Environmental Center and chatting about this issue of transboundary water and how water gets managed uh, across the globe, really, but in focus uh, is a seminar that they're doing with the University of the Free State looking at SADC region 
and the and the Jordan Valley. Now, Clive, uh, sorry, I, I interrupted you there, but you were talking a little bit about how uh, water sharing takes place mm-hmm. between the Israelis and the Jordanians. Yeah. So, uh, thanks, Benji. So, um, uh, before the break, I was discussing that there is um, agreements between Israel and Jordan anchored in the in the peace treaty on how to share the waters of the Jordan River system. Um, the other set of agreements is between Israel and the Palestinians, where the issue is how to share uh, groundwater resources. Now, groundwater is a much more complicated uh, source of water to allocate because it's much more difficult to accurately quantify how much water there is below the ground. Um, but just like surface water, groundwater is also a transboundary and it flows. Um, and this is the most significant source of water actually uh, in terms of a water supply for Israel and the Palestinians. Most of the groundwater, uh, however, lies under the West Bank. Now, this is important because this source of water is recharged uh, by rainfall that falls in the territory of the West Bank. So the area of recharge uh, is, 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 is partly under the control of the Palestinian Authority, um, and therefore uh, the issue here is how to allocate a, the groundwater resources between Israel and the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank. Now, because as I said earlier, there is no a, a legally defined sovereign state of Palestine, a, the legal issues here are much more problematic. Um, it, there is no peace treaty between Israel and the Palestinians, we all know that, uh, and a peace treaty can only be signed between sovereign states. So until there is a sovereign state of Palestine, we cannot have the same kinds of agreements that we have that Israel has with Jordan. And so what we have with the Palestinians is more a series of technical agreements uh, on how to share the water resources, mostly based on how much groundwater can be pumped uh, by the Palestinians and how much water can be pumped by the Israelis. Um, And there is a a, a relatively uh, high level uh, uh, technical uh, cooperation between the sides because if you don't manage your pumping uh, according to how much water is being recharged annually uh, from rainfall, then you can quickly cause um, a drawdown in the aquifer, um, which is uh, w- which will then uh, create or exacerbate water scarcity. So it's, it's extremely complicated, but I do want to say on a positive side, the level of collaboration on the technical issues of groundwater management on the, between Israel and the Palestinians is actually very good um, and has been able to override so many uh, of the other very problematic issues that uh, the two sides face. And I think that's an important point, that when it comes to thinking about water trans- from a transboundary perspective, it pretty much everybody understands that uh, water is a basic uh, resource and actually water is a human right. And so um, it's a zero-sum game to actually fight over water. And so even when we have lots of problems and disagreements with the Palestinians, there is still a relatively high level of cooperation uh, over water resources. Because you do see this issue becoming politicized from time to time, people saying, oh, well, you know, the Israelis are stealing water or, you know, the Palestinians are polluting water. There definitely can still uh, be, be tension. So it's, it's good to see that there is some sort of governance happening where, where that allocation can be shared. Look, everything is political in the Middle East. There's no, there's no doubt about it. And yes, things become politicized, which is sort of unfortunate because we really don't want to use water for political purposes. Everybody 
should be able to access water. As I said earlier, it's a human right. It's defined as a human right by the United Nations. Nobody should be denied water. If you deny people water, you're basically denying them life. It's just not – you can't deny water even to your enemies. Um, this is something that simply cannot be done. So uh, uh, on that on that point, um, I certainly am of the opinion, uh, and I can back it up with data if anybody wants to take me on take me on in this. Palestinians receive enough water. Do they receive enough water? Do they receive the water that they would like? That's a different question. But Palestinians in the West Bank are not uh, running out of water to meet their basic needs. Do they have enough to develop their economy? Do they have enough to grow their crops? That's a debatable question in many respects. And how much of autonomy do they have over the water resources is also an issue. But from the point of view of every Palestinian uh, getting enough water to drink, that is happening mostly. There are cases uh, where Palestinians uh, have disruptions in water supply, uh, mostly in the summertime. Many of those disruptions are because of infrastructure challenges. Um, and yes, the overall political uh, scenario does make things difficult in, in accessing water and in so many kinds of things. But at the end of the day, uh, there is discussions, there is an open channel of communication on how to think about the water issue in, in this region. Um, there's a lot that needs to be done. It's always going to be controversial. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, at least uh, we are able to override scarcity, um, uh, uh, mostly because of the development of water in Israel with respect to desalination and, and wastewater treatment um, and reuse. Now, part of what you're doing with the seminar is comparing notes, so to speak, with uh, the southern African region in Sadek and because uh, we, we, for example, here in Gauteng get a lot of our water from the Sutu. Um, most of it even, uh, because that's where the headwaters of our, our, um, you know, where the ball and that sort of thing is. Uh, are you looking forward to seeing what uh, the two sides uh, can learn from one another? Because, of course, uh, South Africa is also very arid, very dry as well. Well, exactly. And I think that's really the, the, the purpose of, of the seminar. And I'm very keen to learn about the Southern African um, experience. I mean, this is one thing, again, you know, everybody can relate to water in one way or another. So it's a great topic to bring uh, people together and to discuss ways in which we can um, improve the management of, of, of water. So um, there's a lot of uh, uh, interesting aspects to this issue uh, in South Africa. Um, and yes, as you mentioned, South Africa is also facing water scarcity. Um, and so, uh, but that being said, uh, there are agreements in place. The Lesotho Highlands project is one, uh, but um, there's many other uh, areas where South Africa is working uh, in the region uh, with with her neighbours uh, to to try to get to the best um, water allocation uh, schemes um, in an area that is uh, that is very fragile in terms of uh, its long term uh, water supply. Um, and I think the spirit here is again a spirit of learning from each other. Uh, of being open to hear different perspectives um, and opinions um, and to really see how we can build, you know, uh, collaboration and, and, and partnerships. I think what is really interesting of, of, uh, in the seminar and, and hopefully for the, the participants that will be um, signing in is you're going to hear not just an Israeli perspective, but you're going to hear a Middle Eastern perspective. So we're talking, like you said, the Jordan River, and we will have, uh, besides myself as a speaker who will talk 
of, on the Israeli uh, perspective, you will also get to hear the Palestinian and Jordanian perspectives. And I think this is really um, what's exciting about uh, this webinar. And the same thing from the Southern African side. We'll have South African speakers and we will have a speaker from Lesotho uh, talking about uh, uh, the issues as well. Now, there's a follow-up seminar um, after this one. There's, it's actually a two-part seminar where where uh, you, you're focusing now on like the policy one that's for this week. But the next week is, is, is more about technology because you kind of alluded to it uh, earlier. Part of the reason why you're able to get the management right, so to speak, in the Middle East um, is, is because of these uh, great leaps forward in technology that we're seeing uh, in, in, in Israel. Uh, and actually, that's another area where we're starting to see some interesting parallels between the Israeli experience and the Middle Eastern experience in general and the South African experience. So, so talk to us about that side of, of the, this, because I think it's uh, really, really relevant to some of the, the, the challenges that we're facing at the moment. Yeah, so, so the second seminar, which will take place um, on September the 10th, um, is focusing more on the technological Aspects. Now, what is interesting uh, between the Middle East region and the Southern African region uh, from a technological perspective is you have many, many, many communities and populations that are not adequately serviced by water infrastructure. Now, most people who are lucky enough to live in places where, you know, the water is as close as their nearest tap are actually in the minority, right? You, you go down, you know, you, you, you got to go to your kitchen or your bathroom. And you turn on the tap and the water is magically there. None of us really think much beyond that the water is in the tap, right? But if you did think about it, uh, you would be amazed at how much infrastructure, how much technology is required to bring the water to your tap and that it's there 24-7. Not just that, the amount of money required to build that infrastructure and to maintain it is in the multi-millions of dollars. Now, this is something that is challenging uh, for uh, developing countries like South Africa, and it's very challenging for developing countries in the Middle East region um, in, the, in the case of the Palestinians and, and Jordan. Um, and here is really opportunities to learn from one another again on what are the best technological approaches to provide water to developing or low-income uh, countries, uh, populations, and communities where access to large-scale centralized infrastructure like desalination is, is, is unlikely to, to happen. And we at the Arava Institute have been pioneering this work uh, in Israel, focusing on the Bedouin community, which uh, is not being fully serviced by uh, national infrastructure. Also working with the Palestinians and Jordanians, where most of the Palestinian population is not connected to water or wastewater networks. And similarly, the case also in Jordan to some degree. And so we've been uh, pioneering uh, uh, and, 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 and testing different technologies that can provide adequate water to these communities uh, where, uh, let's say, for example, you don't have access to energy, so we are using a solar uh, energy to power the, the pumps, for example, or the treatment facilities. Now, a lot of this work is also being done and pioneered in South Africa, working with uh, the informal settlements and communities in South Africa, uh, and one of the speakers on the seminar on September 10 is a leader in this field from the University of Cape Town. Um, and here again, I think there's an opportunity to share notes and compare experiences and technologies on how we can meet the needs uh, of literally uh, probably 
maybe two-thirds or even more of the population in South Africa that are not benefiting um, from having water available in their homes 24-7. Um, and I think here again, there's a lot that we can learn from one another. Now, you, you and uh, Hussein Solomon, who you mentioned at the beginning of the interview, who runs the politics department um, at the University of the Free State, actually penned a piece in the Daily Maverick uh, about this issue. So people can actually go uh, and read up further if they're interested in it. Just uh, check out Clive Lipchin or, or Hussein Solomon, and, and you can actually see they wrote a whole, a whole op-ed um, on that. But Clive, if people want to actually be part of the seminar, it's completely open to the public. People can can be part of it if they like. Well, I think that's maybe, you know, the, an interesting, uh, if, if I could be so bold to say a positive side of the pandemic that we find ourselves, you know, by going online, uh, these kinds of meetings uh, become actually more inclusive, right? Nobody has to travel anywhere. So um, I think if anybody listening to, to the show today, Benji, uh, is interested, they should probably uh, contact you because you have the info for uh, how to get uh, get the link to um, participate on the webinar. I, I do want to say for the listeners that we already have for our first webinar over 100 uh, registered uh, participants, and these are people coming from all over the world. Um, so not just from South Africa and not just from Israel, but all over uh, from U- from the U.S., from Europe, uh, from from other countries in Africa, um, and I think this is an amazing opportunity. So I strongly encourage anybody who is interested, either for the September 3rd or the September 10th seminar, um, you know, it's free of charge. You just have to have uh, ability to get online, um, uh, and uh, everybody's welcome. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that there are details. Um, there are there are details. In fact. Uh, the best way to actually do it is if, is if you just go to the Daily Maverick article itself. They've got the registration, uh, the d- registration details uh, there. So uh, I'll be giving that out, um, uh, you know, we're, we're just at the end of this interview so that people can just go. You can have a look at that, and then they've got a link there where you can just click straight through. Um, Clive, the, the Arava Institute itself, uh, give us a bit of background about that because, uh, you know, you, you've had students from South Africa. Just let, tell us a little bit uh, more about what else goes on there. Yeah, so the Arava Institute is, uh, is an NGO. We were uh, founded uh, way back in 1996. Um, we're located in the south of Israel, uh, not too far from Elat in the Arava region. That's what we're called the Arava Institute, I suppose. Uh, we're we're um, located on, on a kibbutz called Kibbutz Ktura, and the institute basically um, has, has, has uh, as its uh, mandate, so to speak, uh, that the environment, whether it be water, energy, or anything else, uh, doesn't respect political borders, um, and the only way to effectively manage the environment is to find ways to do so cooperatively, even when we have disagreements with other people. And so in order to uh, pursue this, uh, the Institute has two main activities. We have an academic program, which is for university students to come and study with us at the Institute on all manners of environmental issues. Uh, and what is interesting uh, uh, um, and sort of unique about the academic program as opposed to, let's say, regular environmental studies programs is we have a diverse group of students from around the region. So we have Israelis, Palestinians, Jordanians. Who knows, now we might even get uh, students from uh, from the UAE coming and studying at the Institute, so we might have Emiratis at some point. I'm sure, actually, that may be uh, quite possible. Um, and, of course, students from around the world, uh, we get Europeans, um, Americans, and we, we, we've had in the past 
South African students, and it would be great to get more South African students to come and study with us as well. Um, so that's one side of the um, of the institute activities, and I, I serve as a lecturer uh, in uh, in the environmental studies program. The second part of our activities, where I do most of my work, is in research and development. Again, on these transboundary environmental uh, issues, uh, I do most of my work on, on water, but we do work on energy, waste management, air pollution, biodiversity conservation, um, pretty much everything that you can think of that is environmental. Um, and we do projects that uh, involve Palestinian collaborators and Jordanians. We work a lot with the European Union and uh, with U.S. Uh, U.S. organizations and universities. And here, too, I think uh, it's a testament to our uh, developing relationship with the University of the Free State, where here, too, we are really interested in seeing how we can develop some joint um, research programs um, with, uh, with the Free State and maybe even other South African universities in the, in the not-too-distant uh, future. Well, there you go. Uh, if you want to register for this seminar, the one coming up on the 10th, just uh, go to the Daily Maverick. Uh, the article is called Water Wars Will Increasingly Fuel African and Middle East Conflicts by Clive Lipchin and Hussein Solomon. You just type in their names, Clive Lipchin and Hussein Solomon, uh, into the Daily Maverick. It'll come up. You can read the article. You can scroll down. Uh, and there they have a little link where you can join the seminar if you want. Uh, and uh, and I'm sure that uh, High FM listeners uh, will learn quite a lot. Clive, thank you so much for being with us on the New Blue Review, and good luck with the seminar later on this week. Thanks, Benji. Thanks for having me. Thank you.